0: Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Isaac. I'm one of the hosts of In Doubt, and I'm also one of the pastors at North Valley Baptist Church in Mission, British Columbia, uh, Canada. Um, I'm excited to be on the show today with Andrew Rokeby. He's a new friend of mine. He's a husband and a father, also living in British Columbia in Canada, but he will soon, Lord willing, be leading his family many, many kilometers away from here as they follow god's call for them to be missionaries and i'll i'll let him as we go on in this conversation fill in more details of that but anyways i just want to say first of all thank you for being on the show with us today andrew
1: thank you so much for having me
0: i do want to begin and this is how the way we begin uh, all of our conversations just by hearing a bit about who you are just personally um and i think a great way especially since we are uh brothers in christ and many people that are listening are, are christians it'd be great just to hear uh your salvation story And then sort of leading up to just where you're at, like right now, what your life looks like in this present moment.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm Andrew Rokeby, and uh, I've been married to my wife, Tanya, for eight years. And we have two children, Uh, John, who's two years old, and Anna is six months old. And I grew up in northern Ontario in a small city called Timmins. I came to Saving Faith as a young boy through the witness of my dad. He shared the gospel with me, and I... Received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was baptized a few years later and uh, grew up in our local church. We were really involved there and was really our yeah, the, the center of our community growing up. It's been now about, let's see, coming up on a year since we've been appointed as long-term missionaries to Japan with Fellowship International, uh, which is the sending agency of our Fellowship of Baptist Churches. And right now we're just going around, uh, well, at this moment, we're not visiting any churches, but we're, we're getting in contact with churches and reaching out and looking to find uh, folks who are uh, share our vision for ministry. And our ministry is we've been appointed to uh, serve in Japan long-term as uh, disciple makers, uh, partnering with the existing local church to really... Equip them and encourage them as they reach out into their community to bring the good news of Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So good. Before we, you know, kind of get more into your personal story when it comes to missions and some of the inner thoughts, conversations that you maybe had or maybe still have as you approach actually going over to Japan, like you said, I'm wondering if you could just sort of give us what you believe best defines a missionary. So like, what is a missionary? I think it's important to come to grips with at least this before we sort of jump into the personal stuff. Missionary is one of those words that gets thrown around a lot in in the church. If you're listening and you're used to church, I mean, missions, missionary, these are words that you hear, but sometimes we lose sight of what they really mean. So yeah,
1: let us know, what is missionary? Yeah, I think in the broadest sense, a missionary is someone who is about the business of proclaiming the gospel to the unreached, right? I think... It's very useful to have a more specific and particular uh, definition of a missionary as uh, to, to be helpful and meaningful as someone who has been sent by a church across cultures for the proclamation of the gospel, or to a ministry where the primary function is the proclamation of the gospel. So, of course, this can be worked out in many ways other than just planting churches. So. You don't have to be planting churches to be a missionary, but I think those key components there are someone who's been sent by a church across cultures for the proclamation of the gospel.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I think I think it's important that you say across nations, like it's to the unreached, this sort of idea, because I think there was maybe... Uh, and it wasn't bad, but there was sort of this push to sort of impose the idea of missionary on all Christians. Like we're all yeah. missionaries. But I heard from we we interviewed Dwayne Fraser from Joshua Project a few years ago, and um, you know he kind of made the point: if if everyone's a missionary, then no one's a missionary.
1: Yeah, you lose you lose the meaning of the word when you say everybody's a missionary. Then well, then what am I? Yeah, <laughs> What's exactly. What's the difference between you and me if if everyone's a missionary?
0: Totally, totally. And I mean, what you and your wife Tanya and John and Anna are going to be doing is going to be a lot different than than many others. Although the same, I mean, disciple-making we're both going to be doing. Uh, everyone is going to be a Christian, ought to be disciple-making, but yeah. uh, you have the specific calling that's sending away. And it, it makes me think about in Acts when the church in Antioch came together, they prayed and fasted and they sent out, you know, Paul and Barnabas and some of those others to go. And to proclaim proclaim the gospel. So uh, your church has you know sent you and Tanya and your family out to to do this. Um, I just was wondering, and I didn't ask you this beforehand, so this is sort of a curveball. I hope you're okay with that. Um, do you remember the first moment that missions or even being a missionary uh, began to take hold of your heart? Was it a specific moment? Was it a conversation? Was it a sermon you heard? Was it maybe a season in your life? I'm not sure, like, do you remember something that like, was like, I'm going to be a missionary?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would say that the first time that I really started thinking about missions was, uh, I was age 18 and I moved out to the West Coast here to study at the University of Victoria. My first Sunday at church, the pastor's sermon had a question at the center. And the question was, if prestige and wealth were not important, what would you be doing with your life? And at that time, as a young man starting university, with kind of dreams and aspirations for life, yeah, my goals at that time in life were comfort and respect. I wanted to be, you know, I was I was a university student, and people people should respect that, and <laughs> you know, I was going to have a comfortable get a great job and have a comfortable life, so. I immediately thought when I heard that question, oh, I'm going to be a missionary. But then those other ideas of comfort and respect really overwhelmed that. And I I didn't give much thought to missionary service for a a number of years after that. Mm -hmm. But I really identify that as the the first moment when the Lord was really working in my heart to bring about the change necessary for me to get on board with his plan for my life.
0: Yeah, that's good. No, I appreciate that. And I think it's just a good call for all of us who uh, sit under, you know, regular good preaching to really be attentive because you never know when the Holy Spirit's going to speak through your pastor or one of your Christian leaders or even one of your Christian friends that brings about some of those pivotal pivotal questions, pivotal moments in your life that will really change the trajectory of your life. So that's really cool. Also, your story reminds me of... Um, I'm sure you've heard of and have looked into a little bit about Adoniram and Ann Judson Mm -hmm. or Nancy, as she went by sometimes. And, and uh, it, you know, it's, it's sort of similar. Like you, you were, you're in school, you, you want to get this, you know, good job, all these different things. And you probably have, uh, you, you probably had the, the potential to really do well. And I think about Adoniram and and he was very, very, very smart. And uh, he, he could have probably been in government, you know, in Boston there and all these different things, but he still chose to, you know, take that, you know, lunge and and go over there, and uh, his story is quite quite something. But anyways, it just kind of reminded me of that. I- I'd love to hear now, Andrew, some of that inner conversation that you've had with yourself. You've already kind of mentioned a little bit about your inner kind of maybe conflict uh, of sort of living a life of comfort, but also going. So yeah, what are, what is some of that inner conversation that you've had with yourself as you've considered missions? What are some of those conflicting thoughts? How have you worked through those, or are you still working through some of those some of those things,
1: yeah. So, like I said at at the time, my my primary pursuit in life, my goal was really centered in myself about mm-hmm. comfort and security and respect. Uh, so it wasn't until a few years later, in 2011, uh, that God or, really ordained my path that I would travel to Japan to do mm-hmm. relief work in evangelism in communities that had been affected by the earthquake and tsunami that happened in, to, in March of 2011. And I ended up going there on pretty short notice. It was, I think I, I got the green light to go on a Tuesday and I was there on a Friday and I traveled <laughs> alone and it wasn't, yeah, it was my first time outside of North America. And I, at, at the time I was really looking s- selfishly for uh some volunteer work to put on my application for medical school.
0: (laughs) Thank you for your honesty.
1: (laughs) uh, While I wanted to help out and I I had a a humanitarian's heart, my main driver was, oh, this is a great opportunity for me. Uh, Not seeing that it was going to be a way in which the Lord would really be working in me. So I spent about 25 days in country. And while I was there, I stayed with a missionary family. And I learned a lot about their ministry and their life as missionaries in Japan. And while they were often uncomfortable and life was challenging, they also had a strong sense of fulfillment and purpose in what they were doing in their ministry there. So when I returned home, uh, the Spirit really started working in my heart to work out those idols in my life. Uh, I started to realize how much I had been idolizing comfort and the respect of others. And at the same time, I started to take on more leadership in my local church, started leading a Bible study for young adults in in my place. And I had one year of undergraduate studies left, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do when that was done. So I, I started seeking out the, the counsel of others, started talking to other mature believers about how I'd seen the Lord work in my life and seeking other advice. So through that process i ended up finishing up my studies and then applying to study at northwest baptist seminary which is at trinity western university and being immersed in that environment was really the kind of next step of working out those areas of sin in my life being immersed in an environment with other believers who were pursuing ministry really helped me grow and surrender to god's will in my life so my my burden to reach the lost uh, became less of a burden and more of a, a joy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And I, I think what's one of the key parts there is that immersing yourself in a community of other believers that are like-minded and want to grow more in their understanding of the word and also of the pursuit of uh, of seeing lives changed. It's It's amazing. It's so amazing how much your group of those that influence you, your friends, your family, they really do influence you. And if, mm-hmm. you, if you want to be more, let's say you, you struggle with, maybe you're listening and you, and you struggle with joy in in your faith, like this personal joy. Well, think about people in your church that are just always happy in Christ and just hang out with them. And I know it's COVID, you know, have a Zoom call with them, go for a walk, that's okay. Like, hang out with them and and you'll begin to sort of, the Lord will begin to use them to really Help shape you. So I think that's really powerful, Andrew. Just to hear that, like that was a way a a way that the Lord helped you work through some of your sin was immersing yourself in this community where you begin to see the see the passion around you. In Matthew twenty-eight, this is obviously uh, a very famous text, not just for missionaries but for all people. You know, we hear the command of Jesus after he basically declares his authority that has been given to him for all things. Uh, he says, you know, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything. I'm with you. We we know this. Um, it's a command, right? This is this is a command. Jesus is not giving a a suggestion, you know, a recommendation to some people. It's a command. So in one sense, as I was thinking about it, uh, you and your family, you and Tanya, are just being obedient. You're being obedient uh, to Matthew 28. But obviously, we know that the work of disciple making—we've talked about this—is is also essential in the nation that we find ourselves in uh, obviously but for you i'm just wondering was becoming a missionary more of this calling that you felt like by the spirit or was it just sort of decision that you're like i'm i'm going to choose to obey this this command in this particular way or maybe it was a little bit of both
1: yeah i can really look back on my life and see god ordaining my path towards becoming a missionary uh, he really put me in circumstances and introduced me to different mentors who spoke into my life to that effect. And, uh, But I believe that all true missionaries are sent by a church and not by themselves. So while I, I felt the leading of the spirit that God was ordaining my life, our, our real calling to missions came through the elders of our local church uh, when they consecrated us for missionary service. So I can think it can be a temptation for some churches to have a young person come to them and say, pastor, God is calling me to missions. You know, please sign this paperwork. I need you to, I need you to sign off on this. And it can be easy to get really excited about a young person who's showing that kind of passion. But I, I think it's important to go through a process of discernment. And we're really thankful that our church uh, went through a process of discernment with us, which it was a, after we expressed uh, calling for long-term missionary service that was our church went through a process with us about two years in length where they really uh, evaluated us and looked looked at not just our involvement in ministry but our personal lives and this really gave us a, a great assurance um, that not only we sense the Lord's calling but also our, our elders were seeing the same thing
0: yeah 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 that's so good and and it's sort of backwards sometimes because we we live in this, you know, fast-paced culture, right? We want our food fast. We want our shows fast. We want everything fast. Uh, and yet lots of, you know, good things come with time. And I think that's really powerful that your church actually puts you through this two-year, like, sort of discernment process to kind of set you up for success and set up Japan for success as well. You know, they don't want to just receive some Christians that are going to be there for a little bit and then get flaky and then take off, right? It's the that lifelong lifelong thing. So that's really cool. Um, Was there maybe a particular passage, biblical story, maybe a doctrine, something, uh, some truth of of scripture, truth of God that sort of kept you going through the process of and still, like because you're you're not in Japan yet, so this sort of this process of preparing you and your family to go to japan is there has there been something particular that has sort of kind of gripped you or helped you through those moments that you feel tired, weak, um, maybe unsure?
1: Yeah, I think a passage that really resonated me as the Lord was drawing, drawing me along, sometimes kicking and kicking against the goads, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, was, uh, is from Acts 9, where Paul receives his call to ministry. At the very start of his ministry, he he was faced with the cost of his ministry. The cost cost was uh, revealed up front. And while I don't anticipate any physical persecution uh, as a missionary in Japan, I, I really knew that and going to the mission field, uh, I would be facing some costs and I would have to give up uh, things like comfort and uh, certainty in uh, employment and predictability um, that I wouldn't be pursuing a life of comfort. So in a, a sense, my life was going to be harder than I had planned, but God had so much more in store for me than my small vision for life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And, you know, you mentioned Paul and when you read through if you haven't read through the New Testament and you're listening, then like read through or read through at least 1st and 2nd Corinthians and you'll get a, a look at some of, or, or Acts, the book of Acts. You'll get a sense of some of what Paul went through and in, um, in the midst of just hardship through the ministry that God called him to to go and preach to the non-Jews, right? Um, he he experienced this joy and this communion with, with the Lord that probably surpassed many people that never experienced the same sort of hardship. Um, and and so that's that's really cool. I'm glad that he, Andrew, is like Paul, the spirit through Paul and his calling is is encouraging you to experience that same joy through through this. Um you mentioned there that you don't foresee like physical persecution. What are maybe some other challenges that you kind of that you kind of foresee as being an issue uh potentially when you go to to Japan with your family and As you consider those with your wife, with your family, like how have you worked through these and how are you working through them?
1: On the field, uh, mission field in Japan, one of the things can be very discouraging for missionaries is to labor for many years without seeing uh, any fruit. So the soil in Japan is uh, hard to the seeds of the gospel. Hmm. So after finishing seminary, we spent about six months in Japan as midterm missionaries with a church plant. While there, one of the missionaries said something very important to me. He said, you need to have a good understanding of your role here or you're not going to survive. Uh, you scatter the seeds of the gospel, uh, but salvation is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. So uh, that message really stuck with me. The idea that uh, my job is to labor in Japan, but my, I, I, I can't conjure up fruit. Uh, that that's really, uh, the work of the Lord. So I can, I can do my work, trusting that the Lord is going to bring the fruit in his perfect timing.
0: Yeah. Amen. That's so good. And it, you know, that reminds me too, of like, I often think about, you know, we're, we're called to be fishers of people and our job is to lay down the nets. And obviously even in scripture, we see Jesus is the one lay him over here. And then he's the one that fills, and I, I find that just encouraging that we don't have to have this sense of guilt or this burden of saving people, that's not our job. We're gonna kill ourselves in guilt and if we think that way, you know? And also just to bring up Adoniram again, seven years he was in Burma, which is now Myanmar, before they had their first convert, seven years. And like in today's terms of like, you know, getting, you know, results and ROI, return on investment, like that sucks, like that is not very good. <laughs> but praise the Lord, like him and his wife's determination. And then that was just, you know, after seven years, one, and then two, three, four, and then it started to to birth. So I think that's uh, that can be encouraging. Um, we're starting to approach our time here, uh, Andrew, but there's a couple of things I just wanna to get to before we, we finish up. And maybe one more sort of personal thing, and then uh, a way that we could maybe uh, encourage other people that are considering missions. So maybe as a personal question, I'm just gonna jump here. As you, obviously, you know the gospel, your father is the one that told you it and, and brought you to the saving faith so long ago. So in reflecting on the truths of the gospel, some of the themes and some of the realities that we experience um, through the sort of the crux of the gospel that is Jesus and what he did for us, how do you see the gospel and the gospel's sort of truths impacting, you know, your future and missions? How, is it, how are those things going to help you as you, um, as you go on the mission field?
1: Yeah, I think there's a few elements of the gospel that really impact our future ministry. And first, I would say Christ's example of pouring himself out for for his church uh, is as we seek to imitate Christ in our ministry, really pouring ourselves into the churches uh, with which we will be working, I really see... Yeah, uh, living that life of sacrifice and pouring out oneself, uh, recognizing that having, having a right perspective on eternity is, as far as uh, uh, what, what we decide to do with, with the life that the Lord's given us.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then uh, second, I see that in the gospel, there's the, the element of salvation, but then the, the God doesn't just save us and leave us there. Uh, he gives us his spirit and continually sanctifies us so it's it's a uh, the gospel is a, is a long-term investment and we really see our ministry in Japan I kind of tell people half as half jokingly but in truth people ask us how, how long are you going to be there and we say oh, we're going to be there until the Lord um lord sends us elsewhere until the lord calls us home or yeah. until the lord comes to get us yeah and we really see our investment in japan as being a, a long-term investment uh, as, as we spend our life um, investing in what the lord is doing in japan in the same way that in the gospel the lord not only saves us but continually invests in us it's, it's a um yeah the Lord is committed to us for eternity,
0: yeah, yeah, that's so good as we as you wrap this up, uh Andrew, I want to just I want you to speak as someone who is uh, has is a missionary and is preparing to go, um I would love for you to be able to speak into the lives of maybe those listening that are beginning to sense this this uh, maybe burden maybe um to to do the same to follow um so for someone listening who's interested. What sort of advice uh, would you give them um, as, yeah, as they begin to c- consider this more? What what would you say to them?
1: Yeah, I would say, if I could give two pieces of advice. First, I would say, don't rush. Uh, God's plans will not be thwarted because you took time to adequately prepare for the missions healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been five years since we returned from our midterm service in Japan to now raising support for long-term service and far from wasted time, God has been using this time to prepare us and mature us for the mission field. And second, uh, I would really encourage anyone who's uh, looking and feeling a call to missions to talk to your church leaders and engage them in the discernment process. And even if that means uh, really having to prod them to get engaged in the discernment process, uh, your church leaders are going to be able to better discern uh, then you on your own, if you're suited and ready for ministry and when they give you that stamp of approval, you're going to have so much more assurance, uh, that the Lord is calling you to ministry.
0: Yeah. That's so, so good. Um, Andrew, if anyone wants to learn more about you and your family, your, your missions journey, um, is there anywhere they can go? I don't know. I, I should have asked this beforehand, but do you, is there like some, a site or a place they can go to, to learn more about you and your family's personal ministry?
1: Yeah, so we have a web page with our mission, and that's fellowship.ca slash Rokeby. Uh, That's R-O-K-E-B as in Bravo Y. And if you, (laughs) yeah, if you just want to drop me an email, uh, our email address is atrokeby at fellowship.ca, and I I would be happy to have a conversation with you uh, about your call to missions and, um, yeah, point you in the right direction.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you for opening yourself up for that. That's that's awesome. Um, thank you so much, Andrew. We so appreciate uh, you and your your family and obviously you guys being obedient to where the Lord is leading you. But also just thank you for taking time to chat with us today. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: That was Andrew Rokeby, a missionary who is preparing to leave British Columbia in Canada, along with his wife and two young children, to go and make disciples of Jesus in Japan. In our conversation, we obviously didn't get too much into the particular culture of Japan, only that the ground is hard to the seed of the gospel. To give some perspective, there are over 126 million people living in Japan, and approximately 97.9% of them are considered unreached meaning there's a good chance that those people will live their lives and perhaps never hear the gospel. Joshua Project which is a great uh, Christian organization that seeks to help Christians understand the sort of the, the missions climate uh, of our world they explain the unreached as those people groups that have no believing Christians with adequate numbers and resources to evangelize this people group without outside assistance. Well, we're excited that our friends, Andrew and Tanya Rokeby, along with their children, will be going as that outside assistance to proclaim the gospel and make disciples among the many unreached peoples in Japan. Again, if you want to know more about Andrew and his calling to Japan, you can head to fellowship.ca forward slash Anyways, I hope you enjoy today's conversation as we think about missions. And please join us next week as we continue to have conversations that will impact our lives and our faith. We hope you'll join us again. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Indoubt is a ministry of good news global media designed to speak into faith, life, and culture. These are challenging conversations for young men and women who have chosen to live for Jesus while at the same time are constantly engaged by the culture and philosophies of the world around them. It causes us to ask about the relevance of the Bible, how to engage our world, how to share the gospel, and perhaps most difficult, how do we as followers of Jesus live holy lives? Join us each week as we dig deep into faith, life, and culture. For more information about InDoubt or to offer a gift to support this young adult ministry, visit indoubt.com or call 1-844-663-2424.